Hello and welcome. I'm your hostess, Faye Wild. Let's begin with the thanking of the elements, shall we? We thank Earth for her stability and her growth. We honor her and ask her to enter our space. We thank Air for his intellect and creativity. We honor him and ask him into our space. We thank Fire for his passion and his will. We honor him and ask him into our space. We thank Water for her empathy and her healing. We honor her and ask her into our space. We thank Life for the divine forces and the intimate source. We honor them and ask them into our space. We thank light for its illumination and its revelation of truth. We honor it and ask it into our space. We thank magic for all of its power to create, to bring forth, to give us the power to explore and to experience all. We honor all and ask all into our space. Welcome, Earth. Welcome. Welcome, Air. Welcome. Welcome, Fire. Welcome. Welcome, water, welcome. Welcome, life, welcome. Welcome, light, welcome. Welcome, magic. Welcome.
We also thank the animal and plant spirits who give us life and sustain us. We honor them and ask them into our space. Welcome, plant and animal spirits, welcome. We also thank and honor the good fae and the good elven kindreds and the good peoples, known and unknown, spiritual forces beyond this plane. We honor them and thank them and ask them into our space. Welcome, good kindred, known and unknown. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of the Chronicles of Fae. This episode I will be talking about kitchen witchery at last. What is kitchen witchery and how do I use it? I know I've been threatening to do this one for quite some time and I will continue to do it. Um, for those of you guys who um, listened to last week's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And um, maybe through our minds and hearts opening to the world in its suffering, perhaps we can be moved to do the physical things that will allow the inner light to shine more brightly and to snuff out the inner darkness. And um, so this episode will have, of course, as I said in the, um, in the last one, it will have um, the things that I used, the, the chants, the, the prayer, and the extending of the light as permanent features, as much as the elements opening and closing, the calling of the elements and the releasing of them um, are, as well as announcements most of the time. Um, and usually we do have a meditation. I want this podcast to be a place where, yes, you'll hear me talk about things that are important to me, things that I'm interested in, things that um, enrich spirituality, but I want to, I guess, set the mood. So, um, after each element's opening, we go straight into, um, into spirituality, be that a med the meditation first, or we do the inner light stuff. Um, but we want to set a mood for spiritual growth and, and spiritual um, experience uh, before we get into anything else. Because I think that spiritual power, spiritual growth um, does 
allow us to open our minds to the things that are coming. And so unless it's going to be a ritual or a uh, Moments with Faye episode, all episodes from now on will have this um, part in it of the inner light. And so I hope that you guys enjoy the podcast and thank you for your listening. I know that last week or that that um there was a thing uh, um at New Year where I put a talk up about changes of the new year when I had already put it up accidentally in the um first special episode in December 18th I think it was. Um I apologize for that talk being put up twice. But, you know, I'm not perfect and only divine is and the spirits know I try at least. So sit back, relax, and let's get into the spiritual end of things. Let all the light within you rise to the universe. Let all the light within you rise to the universe. Let all the light within you rise to the universe. Let all the light within you rise to the universe let all the light within you rise to the universe let all the light within you rise to the universe let all the light within you rise to the universe. Let all the light within you rise to the universe. Let all the light within you rise to the universe let all the light within you rise to the universe let all the light within you rise to the universe let all the light within you rise to the universe rise to the universe i am a soul i am a soul you soul you are a soul with one inner light we can change the world i am a soul i am a soul
I am a soul. I am a soul. You are a soul. You are a soul. With one inner light, we can change the world. I am a soul. I am a soul. open with a prayer to the divine whoever that is for each of you be it God be it the spirits we call upon the inner divine the divine that guides and guides us all I call upon the divine being or beings that through our consciousness, through the raising of our consciousness, we might help change the world with the inner light. So mote it be. To the hungry all over the world, I extend my inner light to the homeless who have no homes. I extend my inner light to the people suffering from mental illness. I extend my inner light to the people who are suffering physical illness. I extend my inner light to the soldiers 
who are fighting and dying all over the world for freedom, for peace. I extend my inner light. <sighs> to the oppressed all over the world who cannot fight for their own freedom, I extend my inner light. To all those who are in hospitals right now, I extend my inner light. To those who are in prison, I extend my inner light. To the downtrodden and the lonely, I extend my inner light. To all the children who have no home, I extend my inner light. To people who are experiencing spiritual pain, I extend my inner light. <sighs> to the people who feel hopeless, I extend my inner light. <sighs> to all people on the planet who are suffering in any way, I extend my inner light. And we'll end with a prayer. I extend my inner light to all who need it. To the planet. To the earth itself. To the universe and the multiverse. To the kindred's good who need the inner light. I ask that this inner light be manifested in the universe and in the multiverses. That through my inner light, I might bring forth changes. I call upon the power within the gifts of the divine. That I might remember the inner light within all beings. I call upon the inner light to snuff out the darkness that causes suffering, pain, loneliness, fear, illness, and all things that are not profitable. Thanks be to the divine for the gift of empathy. So mote it be.
Let's take a few moments now to breathe. To open our minds to the inspiration of spirit. Let's take seven deep cleansing breaths. And as we take those deep cleansing breaths, let's imagine and focus on our muscles relaxing just a little bit more. So get comfortable, find a place to sit, relax, breathe, focus on your breath now, coming and filling you with vibrancy. Seven deep breaths now, in through the nose, if you can. Out through the mouth. In through the nose. Out through the mouth. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. And breathe out. Don't force the breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Seeing that all your muscles are relaxing. Breathe in. Focus on your breaths. Allow that breath to be natural. Don't force it. Just allow it to be. Focusing on breath now. Going to take a deep breath in now. And we're going to allow ourselves to chant the Om. Or any sound that sounds peaceful reminds you of the universe, reminds you of the divine. Whatever that sound is for you. On the next 
breath in. Going to just allow our lungs to inflate. And then we'll chant the Om. Ready? if you are the tree roots going deep down into the earth branches reaching high into the sky feeling as if your feet and your arms are rooted or raised pay attention now to your body and how it feels centered rooted in the earth and gaining energy from the universe above. Feeling that centered feeling, that centered space. Now imagine that you are going into that centered space as if your mind had found a hollow place or a, a place within that center that made you feel at peace, calm. And you see lying there in the center space a crystal, a slab of clear quartz crystal and as you come toward the crystal you feel velvety grass beneath you and that velvety grass beneath you is so soft And as you sit down on the crystal, you notice that it's a very smooth crystal, a very smooth and gentle crystal. And you feel no pain as you lie down on it. Lie down on the crystal. Let your body become 
part of the crystal, relaxing, being calm, being gentle, allowing that light, allowing that light of the vibration of the crystal be with you. And as you're lying there, you notice the grass around you. Because you're not up high, you're about two feet off the ground. The slab is just big enough for your body, long enough for your body. You feel no, you feel no, tension as you lie there and as you notice the grass around you it starts to grow but it's not just grass as you pay attention to um, all the, the grass strands and the energy of the wild things around you you notice that clover and other herbs, edible herbs, um, are growing among the grasses. And as they're growing, they're leaning toward the crystal. They're leaning toward the crystal. And as they're growing and growing and growing, you feel as the plants lean toward you toward the crystal and draping themselves across you and interweaving into a blanket that covers you in soft herbs and grasses and even flowers among them and as you notice that energy of the plants the crystal you listen to the forest around you you listen as the energy of the forest with the bird calls with everything around you you're just there within this space of earth energy and you feel the earth energy because crystal with its hard unyielding stone gives way to your body which is of the earth and then the plants around you the plants around you they grow and they're just draped over you as a blanket and that blanket just feels so soft as you run your hands over and now as you lie there 
you notice that the crystal warms to your temperature. just a little bit more to where it's perfectly warm without damaging the plants around it and as you lie there and you close your eyes you feel your body start to sink into the crystal Until you become part of the crystal and you you become odd for a moment at all the colors within the crystal the rainbow prisms of the crystal you become suffused and those plants that are draped over the crystal you see them as well with all their fine filaments structures of leaves and you just become part of the earth part of the energy of the crystals and as you breathe you feel yourself just becoming more and more a part of the crystal until you feel as though every part particle of yourself is intertwined with this crystal and then as you breathe again you feel yourself sinking lower and lower until you become part of the soil beneath the crystal and as you do, you notice all the plant fibers and all of the um, all of the particles of life, all the life-giving seedlings that are in the soil, all of the um, all of the energy of the earth is just filling you with this pulsing energy of earth itself and as you sit there just taking in the energy of the earth you, you ask for its wisdom does the earth have something to teach me don't let it become preoccupied in your mind you know if you if you feel stressed by asking that question, then just leave it for now. Leave it for now. But if you are relaxed so much that your mind and your spirit are within the earth itself, and you feel comfortable, ask the earth, what wisdom do you have to teach me? Just allow yourself to drift along, feeling 
that it's all right. Whatever answer comes first is all right. And as you get your answer, you are realizing that you are rising back into the crystal, back into the light, seeing those plant fibers, seeing the, um, the prisms of the crystal. You are become one with the crystal again. And as you lie there and drift there, you ask the crystal, what wisdom do you wish to teach me? Again, if you're feeling too stressed to answer the question, it's fine. It's fine, just let it be. Let it be. It's not for your spirit at the moment, but you know, it's not about who is adequate if they get wisdom or not. It's about your spirit journey. But if you can ask, and if you are feeling like your mind is still relaxed, that you're still within the crystal ask. What wisdom does the crystal wish to teach me? There are no perfect answers. And as you lie there, you feel your body rising, rising, until you are lying on the slab of crystal. The plants have woven a very thick, soft, velvety blanket over the crystal. And as you gently rise through it you feel the plants 
sort of envelop you from head to toe. Of course, they leave your you know, they they are not going to harm you because uh, they are they are plants that are gentle, and it is your spirit and your mind that are in the meditation, not your physical body. Remember that. So they're not going to harm you, but as they're lying there, enveloped in the plants, resting on the crystal, listening to the sounds of the forest, you ask if you can. What wisdom do the plants wish to teach me? Again, if you can answer and you are in a moment where you feel perfectly at peace, calm, surrounded by those plants, lying on that crystal, you can ask, what wisdom do the plants wish to teach me? the plants are shrinking back back into the earth back into the earth so that they might grow at a natural pace you touch the plants as they shrink and you thank them for the wisdom you touch the you touch the uh, crystal you thank it for its wisdom and you notice that the crystal cools and you know it's time to stand. And as you do, you feel your feet sink into warm, rich, deep, black soil, earth soil. And as you think, and as you stand there, you thank the soil for its wisdom. And you thank the earth for its wisdom. And then you notice the trees around you and you know that there are other things that can teach you wisdom here. Trees, animals, trees and the animals can teach you wisdom as well. Feel free to come back to this place and you know that you can through this meditation, feel free. And you know. And as you stand and you thank the spirit of the earth for the wisdom, you notice that you are within your centered space, calm. And as you do, 
you become aware of your body, relax, calm, peace. Take a nice deep cleansing breath now. Stretch, give your body a stretch. Take another deep cleansing breath. Stretch again. Take a third deep cleansing breath. Good, and now. Stretch a little bit more. Stand up and become aware of the present where you are. Thank you for allowing me to bring you this meditation. Peace, light, love, and blessed be. Today I'm going to talk about kitchen retreat. I've been threatening to do this for ages and I hadn't gotten around to it because I had ideas for other episodes. I apologize if my voiceover <laughs> uh, says anything. I forgot to turn it off before starting recording. That just happens sometimes. I mean, it just is something that happens. So, what is kitchen witchery? So, Kitchen Witchery is using your own energy to influence the foods you eat. Um, It's also the study of herbs and things like that. But it's also, for me at least, other kitchen witches might disagree, but for me it's about hearth magic, protecting the home, using, um, using herbs and amulets and things to protect the home. And bringing harmony to the home, if there is disharmony in the home. Um, So, how did I discover that I was a kitchen witch? Um, I, like, I have always said out here, I love food. I love talking about food. I love to cook food. It's, um, and, and I find food is a really interesting cultural experience having eaten lots of different foods from different countries. No, I have never been to other countries, but I've eaten at restaurants, especially family-run restaurants, um, that have cooked um, that have cooked different foods from different places. Like, for example, I went to this one... Thai place that was run by a Thai family that they they did Thai food, for example, or Vietnamese um, food. And of course, I've had Indian food, um, and of course, like many people, 
Uh, I've had what is here known as Chinese food, but it's n it's not really. I mean, it's Chinese food that's <laughs> that's influenced by American um, tastes. Um, so I've had like all kinds of different foods from different countries and um and to me food is really important and cultural and everything and so i always knew that um, but you know when i was learning about magic i was um i was like well can you use magic in food because Remember, as a blind person, like, okay, now I can get audiobooks on Audible. Not a whole lot, but there are some books out there on Audible that are pagan um, material. But in the beginning, I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't have internet access. Um, and so I didn't know much about magic except for the few times that I was able to get someone to read things for me um, or talk to um, uh, other pagans, which I didn't get to talk to very many, but long story short, you know, I didn't know much about, I mean, I knew about the history of paganism and stuff from podcasts that had come out early or um, early pagan radio. Um this was back in 2006, 2007-ish, so, uh, when I first became a pagan. So, all I knew was what I had heard about Wicca and, you know, learning, um, and getting internet finally through a service that, um, I could get internet over the phone, um, to do research. And so... I was like, there must be kitchen magic out there. And then, of course, when I was a lot younger, I had started being really interested in herbs. And before I continue, what I say out here is not medical advice. Please seek a medical physician for um, anything that you might be ailing from. This is, you know... It's not to replace any medical anything. I do not want to get in trouble, so. I thought I would just put that out there. Anyway. <clears throat> when I was 17, I started, like, studying herbs, and, and, you know, I found them fascinating. And then I started, um going to metaphysical shops and health food shops and buying bulk herbs and, um, work, you know, using them. And I'm not an herbalist. I'm not a botanist. However, um, and the things that I did learn how to treat from talking to herbalists and reading, you know, what I could on herbs and stuff, I learned how to treat common problems. Flu, cold, stomach ache, you know, that sort of stuff that um that is, you know, very 
um, common things that, you know, people deal with. Um, bug bites, athlete's foot, that sort of thing. That's why I came up with the summer, um, oil kit that I was talking about a couple episodes back where I use lavender for bee stings and bug bites, uh, and tea tree for athlete's foot and repelling insects and stuff. So I know enough about herbs to, to be smart and know that like you have to be careful and not to use them unless you've been studying them and learning about them and stuff like that. So, um, I was like, couldn't I add magic to the teas that I make, you know? Um, so, I started practicing and learning about, you know, um, the magical, um, once I was able to get more access to the internet later on down the road, um, I was able to learn about correspondences for magic, magic and herbs. And I was able to get my hands on, um, I was able to get my hands, excuse me, <clears throat> I was able to get my hands on a book about herbal magic, um, audiobook, of course, um, and that was so amazing, and, and just wonderful, and I felt glad that I was able to get, um, those things. So, then I started thinking about the magical uses of food and studying that, and I just got so fascinated with it, and, um, of course, living on a budget, you know, um, and being, you know, Someone that needs to watch her money, like, I started thinking about what foods could I get that are seasonal and starting to eat as seasonably as I could, like buying fresh fruit in the summertime and, you know, simple things like that. Um, and I realized that, you know, eating the foods was great, and then I started adding my energy to the things I was cooking, so as I would stir the food, or as I was making a blend for tea, I would focus on the um, intentions that I wanted to add, peace, or comfort, or healing, or um, stuff like that, and then um, I came up with my own amulet bags, so I would take these bags that a lot of people use for weddings they're made out of tulle or I don't know what they're made of but they have like a drawstring ribbon and usually they're like filled with candied mints or, or you know things like that and they're often put on tables so I would buy these bags and of course being able to have access to a metaphysical shop finally I was able to go there and purchase stones and, and things. And, of course, now you can get sea salt, of course, pretty cheaply. Um, unless you're getting, like, some of the really fancy salt. 
but so I would blend together um, one of my favorite amulets of protection is equal parts sea salt lavender blossoms or a few drops of lavender mixed in with the sea salt uh, sandalwood and dragon's blood um, and some of you might be going, what is dragon's blood? Dragon's blood is a resin. It comes from, it's a resin from a tree. And it is, the smell is amazing. I love dragon's blood because if you put a few drops on your wrists of the oil, it lasts for days and it's a sort of a nice scent and it's, it's amazing. And it has a lot of great protective energy in it. It's a very... It has a lot of protective magic. Um, and so I would mix these little amulet bags and pour the mixture into these little tool bags. And I would hang them on doors around the home to keep out, you know, negative energy. And, of course, lavender is good for restoring balance, for bringing in peace and calming. So... I would make these amulet bags and then people started asking me for like protective spells or things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me, my allergies are bothering me today. <clears throat> As you know, I'm an asthmatic and I have allergies, so <clears throat> I hate to do that, but my allergies are bothering me today. Anyway, getting... Back to getting back to what I was saying is, um, I would make these bags for people, and um, and people seem to love that, and so through experimentation, you know, I discovered that for me magic of the home and magic of food and magic in teas is a really good thing. Now, before I continue, I will say, ethically, you need to get permission from people before you start adding magic to your food, for you, to your tea, especially if other people are going to be eating it or drinking it, whatever the case may be. Um... And I noticed that people would comment when they would enter my home, my apartment or whatever I was living in, and say how homey the place felt. And, you know, it just, to me, Kichimachiri has always been an amazing experience of magic and growing. And so I would do things like add... Um, you know, if there was a lot of disharmony, I would add harmony and love and compassion energy to the food I was making. And, for example, I would st stand at the stove and I'd have my pan, my spoon, and I would, I would stir the food clockwise, so that's circling to the right. And I was as as I would do it, I would just focus on the intent of bringing those things into um, into the food. And 
I remember this one time when um when I was making something and some people got into a little spat and someone said, um, she's cooking. Do you want that kind of energy in your food? And, um, of course they had to say, no, not really. I don't want that kind of energy in my food. And so, to make a long story short, I discovered that for me, Kitchen witchery is a very powerful magic, and I prefer it to a lot of magics, although um, for a while I was really into ceremonial magic, but it didn't pan out for me because I am very ritual-driven, but to me ceremonial magic felt confining because you have to say this and that and the other, and then you have to draw this symbol and that symbol, and then you have to... It's a long process and for some people ceremonial magic is wonderful and for other people it's not and for me it's just not um and i was thinking about hearth magic and and kitchen maturing magic and you know i was thinking about how i was thinking about how we have so many kinds of magics. Why not kitchen witchery? And so all my friends who were pagan or learning, you know, along with me, they would support me and ask me for things. Amulets and stuff. Um... And so I thought I would come up here and talk about some of the recipes that I use in magic in in kitchen witchery, for example, to bring um to bring light into the home or to bring you know more cheerfulness into the home. Um you might want to if you want to burn um burn uh citrus oils if you want to or add lemon to your food to bring that cheerfulness in or if you want to add you know love into your food with the consent of the other person adding apples to to your food will do that so I was lear I'm learning about all these magical um, ways that you can bring food and magic together so what are some of the recipes that I've come up with? Um, for example, um, of course, I've told you about my protection um, amulet recipe. And you can use anything, but like... Um, I can't... I can't sew, so... I use those little tool bags, but you, if you have more of a mind for sewing, you can take a piece of black cloth and add hematite, jet, dragon's blood, resin or oil, and sea salt, and add, and carry it around with you. Um, for example, if you want uh, prosperity, for example, you... Um, 
you take uh Aventurine, uh, green aventurine, and bay, and a gold cloth or green cloth for prosperity. If you want love, rose petals and rose quartz crystals are good to carry around. In a pink cloth. If you want. That kind of thing. If you want like. Um, if you want. Health. You want a green cloth. And, and adding like herbs. For bringing in health. The one thing I've learned about kitchen witchery. Is that. There aren't very many books on kitchen witchery. Because. Every kitchen witch is different. Every kitchen which uses their magic different and it's it's more of a mentor apprentice kind of magic I found. Some people might disagree, but for me I found that you know, it is a very much a hands on sort of magic. And how I wove kitchen witchery and with animism is that, you know, along with using the magic for the home, for the hearth, adding peace to food, um, making a tea, a passion flower, valerian, um, for sleep, or whorehound, marshmallow for coughs and colds, um, making these making these amulets and and teas and foods and things i've learned that like it's something that is individual to each kitchen witch because every kitchen witch is different just like any other pagan practice is different but i think one of the good one of the elements you need to be a good kitchen witch is to have at least an appreciation for food and even if you don't know all the magical correspondences like what foods bring in health, what foods bring in this, what foods bring in that. Taking your own energy, and this was what I did a lot, a lot, because, of course, I can't just go out and grab me pomegranates if I want them. Um, anyway. Adding your will and magic and energy into your food will do just as well as finding the perfect foods for this recipe, that recipe, whatever. Some witches are more fiddly with that sort of thing. And, you know, if, um, if that appeals, that's wonderful. But sometimes the best thing is having your grandmother's chicken soup and adding health and healing to that to bru to bolst to bolster and boost those herbs and foods already in the chicken soup. When we talk about chicken soup being cure for colds and stuff. I think it has a magical um property. So why not using your intentions to bolster those 
magical properties in the food already. Why not add your own energy for healing um, to your chicken soup? And um, and then delivering it to the person that it's it's intended for. Sometimes I would just make like a bag of um, garlic chicken. There's these like prepared meals that you just put in a skillet for 10 to 12 minutes, 15 minutes. And they had like vegetables and pasta and chicken in them. And I would just do that or whatever I was making. I would just add some energy or I would chant as I was cooking, of course, I'll have to talk about chanting magic at some point. But anyway, I would chant as I would stir the food. You know, things like um, bring health to this food. Or I would sing songs to the gods or anything like that to bring in positive energy into the food that I was making. And to me, it's it feels wonderful. Kitchen witchery also helped me deal with my own, you know, um, body images that I have um, about myself. And realizing that if I'm going to be a kitchen witch and practicing magic, I need to let those go because that can affect food too. Um, if you've ever noticed, like, you know, if you come home, and everyone's in a bad mood. Or you came home and you're stressed from a hard day of work. And you just slam together some food. It's not going to taste good. No matter what it is. Because the energy also affects it. I don't know if you've noticed it. But I have. And I guess I'm, you know, if other people haven't. Maybe I'm more sensitive to that kind of thing. But, you know, if you just come home and... You have had a horrible day. The electricity shut off. Or your boss yelled at you at work. Or your kids got into trouble. Or whatever. I don't care what it is. And you come home and you're just so angry. And frustrated. And stressed. And whatever. <sighs> Excuse me. And you realize that you have to put together a dinner for everyone. And you're like, God's blessing. I just... Something fast, and I don't care. And, like, you go in the kitchen, and you slam together whatever it is. And the food is not going to taste good at all. It'll taste fine, but the energy of the food will also be affected by the stress that you pour out. And... And so, to me, that that's a big part of it, is the energy, the intent. There's this thing about, like, there's this food that I love. Um, well, there's lots of foods that I love, but um, my mom is not anything kitchen witch or any kind of magic or anything, but, you know... Um, But she loves, and 
I can tell by the food she makes. Like when she makes my favorite spoon bread recipe or she makes the family egg rolls or whatever. Like, I... I can taste the love in the food that she that she makes. And I think that that's is just as important as finding out the magical correspondences for this food or that food or that herb or whatever it is. Those are important. I'm not saying they're not. But if you're, you know, but if you're, you know, making whatever it is and all you have is what you have in the ca in the pantry you can take ordinary food and increase its power by by calling on the magic of the food that's already in and adding your own intentions and i know this might sound very oversimplified or whatever but i it's very much about instinct and how you feel, and how you perceive, and how the food makes you feel, or how the herbs make you feel when you blend them, you know, for an amulet or a tea or something. It's very much on a level, on a spirit level. It's almost like you are communing with the food, the tea, the amulet that you make, the charm that you hang on your car, on, you know, in your car for protection. Yes, there's the fiddly bits, and I'm not saying, and I'm not going to disregard those, but, but to me, magic is a very instinctual, very deep level. And you are prodded by spirits, by the gods, by whoever you honor in your magic and trusting that can be difficult because you know in a lot of ways we're taught to sort of trust in others or to trust in what we see or what we know and that's valuable I'm not saying it isn't but having your own instinctual energy Adding to the food that you make is a good thing. You know, I was, um, I was thinking about this, and it's not just food. Like, there are things you can do around the home. Um, for example, if I wanted calmness in the home, I would take Ylang Lang oil and burn that in a diffuser for calm. If I wanted um, to bring in uh, the feeling of the holidays, I would blend an oil of pine and and um cinnamon and clove and to me that's so so much holiday energy think of your home as a giant cauldron 
and think about all the energy that goes into your home. Some of it's wonderful if you are fortunate to live in a home that has some good energy, some good things in it. Some good, some bad, some indifferent, some just getting by. You know, and what you can do to influence that cauldron. To me, that's powerful magic. Goddesses associated with hearth magic would be goddesses like Hestia. Hestia is a great example of hearth mage magic. Minerva or Athena, yes, she's the goddess of wisdom and war, but she also is the goddess of household crafts and the home. So, think about think about how you can influence the world through your own magic. And I'll talk about this more at some other date as well. I promise. Um, I thank you for listening. This is Feywild saying, take care. And welcome back. Before we close out, we wish to thank and honor the spirits who have been with us today. We thank the good kindreds, the fairies, the elven kindreds, and all the kindreds of good who are known and unknown. They may depart if they wish. Farewell, known and unknown. We thank the plant and animal spirits who give us life and sustain us. They may depart if they wish. Farewell, plant and animal spirits. We thank magic for all of its power and its beauty of exploration. All may depart if it wishes. Farewell, magic. We thank light for its illumination and truth. may depart if it wishes. Farewell, light. We thank life, for they are the forces divine, the intimate source, unparalleled and vast. They may depart if they wish. Farewell, life. We thank water for her power of empathy and healing. She may depart if she wishes. Farewell, water. We thank fire for his passion and his will. 
He may depart if he wishes. Farewell, fire. We thank Air for his intellect and creativity. He may depart if he wishes. Farewell, Air. We thank Earth for her growth and stability. She may depart if she wishes. Farewell, Earth, and blessed be.